There was a B. There was a B buzzing in the room. It sounded like, and and it was coming over the audio. So we had to work out those kinks before uh, we called you. audio. We're like, how many technicians does it take? As we know in this business, yeah. audio is. What's that? I said, how many technicians does it take? I know. I Well, 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 my friends, welcome back to the show that never ends. This is Broadcasting in Black and White, and as always, I am Joe Masiri, soon to be joined by my co-host, as always, Kenton Young. We apologize for the couple-week layoff here, but we've been working on some big things over at Bib Media, which we'll be happy to share soon enough. But in the meantime, we have a great show as we come back for you here, and our guest du jour, that's the guest of the day for this podcast, is Michael Del Judas. Michael is a multi-time Emmy winner for WNBC, and to call him a lensman would be an understatement. We don't know exactly how many trophies that Michael has taken home from the Emmy Awards, but we do believe that it is more than 65 at this point. He doesn't like to talk about it. However, he is a very talented photographer. In fact, he's a member of the NPPA, which you will hear about throughout the podcast, and we'll be giving a talk in the area not too soon, the tri-state area, that is, for those of you who may be listening in other places throughout the United States or the globe. But without any further ado, we present our conversation with Michael Del Judas. Thanks for listening. So, Mike, we'll do we'll do all those formal introductions and everything uh, before and after in, in post here, but... In the interest of your time and ours, I figured let's just just jump right in and get to the good meaty stuff if you're okay with that. Yeah, cool. Awesome. So Sounds awesome. Good. So, uh, Mike, tell us how you started. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, um, it's funny because I uh, I was thinking about it before. I am uh, someone who uh, went to NYIT, New York Tech, and. Uh, wasn't a hundred percent sure what uh, what direction I wanted to go in, and then television took some television courses and and loved it. And then they offered um, a newsroom, a TV newsroom class, and I'm like, this I kind of like. I really enjoy it. And and I'm using a camera on my shoulder as opposed to these giant pedestals. I said, this is something I can I can get into, and fell in love with shooting um, and enjoyed editing too, of course, and. That led to um, uh, a freelance job at, um, at TV 55 um, out on Long Island. Uh, okay. And that then led to uh, News 12 Long Island. That was a startup in the mid-'80s, ground floor. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. I actually could do this for a living, you know? Um, was there for a few years and eventually made my way out to the West Coast. I was in San for a couple of years. Where, Where were you? You broke then, up there. Uh, what's that? Where were you on the West Coast? Uh, at KTVU, at um, at the uh, uh, there the Oakland uh, Fox affiliate in Oakland. Okay. And uh, yeah, I was out there for a couple of years. You didn't know a, a Wayne Friedman, did you? you no, know, it's funny. I know Wayne Friedman, but through MPPA. Okay, uh, he was he was our previous guest in the last episode of our podcast. So you're kidding me? No, no. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Did he work in Oakland? Uh, he's in San Francisco. No, I I actually was required to read his book when I was in school over at Syracuse, 
And uh, he's always been, I mean, that book it was an inspiration for me. So it was really uh, definitely scratching an itch to get to talk to him. And I've been a fan of his stories for a long time. So. Oh, that's Kenton funny. will tell yeah. you the podcast was basically over, but we probably chatted. Oh you know, God. he and I had another half hour conversation. I think Kevin uh, <laughs> Kenton said he was just going to sit well, back. I was, gonna... <laughs> I was in heaven. <laughs> this business is so you know you, you just it's so infectious. That, like you you feel like once you get to know you know people you know you you feel like, first of all uh, you know. In, not only in the business, but um, in the organization that I, you know, that means so much to me, uh, National Press Photographers Association. Uh, it wore, it's like a, it's like a brotherhood. Um, you know, obviously men and women, but we, we're, it's like a total brethren, and we are all so um, locked into the same, you know, fight the good fight and and put together great, great storytelling. You know, and it means so much um, that you know. It, it's not. It's funny because it's not cutthroat at all. Everybody just wants to see other people do great work. So it's, I'm not surprised by that at all that you guys hit it off because um, he's a uh, he's a great storyteller. So I hear that, Mike. So I, I definitely want to talk to you more. Or we want to talk to you more about the MPPA. But what I find curious, or I could relate to, I guess, is that you had no. Uh, you, you you didn't know that you wanted to be in this business. You oh, didn't know that you I, wanted. To, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kenton. I definitely did not know. Uh, I didn't know until late in college. Into wow. college, wow. there's so many. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So many people have this, you know, burning desire when they're a kid. Like, I want to be a newsman, or I want to do, you know, right. uh, want to be a fireman, or a policeman. And I did not know. Um, so what I, made you choose kind of, NYIT? What did, what did uh, you go to that school for? Uh, they had a great communications program, right. and I knew that I wanted to go somewhere in that direction, okay. whether it was newspaper or, or um, even PR. Like, I, I was trying any of that out. I, I just I thought something in that direction was, was a, you know, was something I wanted to go with, but I didn't know it was television, and I certainly didn't know it was news and and you know television news at that so it was um it, it hit me over the head when i took this course what, said, so then what was it mike i mean you said you just had that camera on your shoulder and there was something about it that you really liked what was it that set off that spark in you do you know you know that sometimes you just can't put your finger on it but you just feel it mm. and you just know this is it and as my first instructor literally put the camera on my shoulder. I said, wow, I, I really think this is something. I, I, first of all, I, I couldn't even believe that I could make a living at this. You know, I, I'm like, seriously, this, I can, I can go to work. I can do this on a daily basis. Ironically, down the road, I realized that I need to put that thing on a tripod, though. To <laughs> up, you know? but, but it helps. It certainly helps, obviously, putting it on your shoulder and feeling comfortable, more and more comfortable. Um, but in the beginning of my career, I, I really was just, you know, a pretty picture taker, framing things up real nice and, you know, head and shoulder shots, you know, for an interview or whatever. And then eventually I, um, you know, joining MPPA, and I know we want to get into that a little later, but but just realizing that, 
it's there. There's more to it. You need to um, you need to be a storyteller. You need to be, and in my case, I need to be a journalist, a photojournalist. And um, and I and Kenton, I, I know you know that so well in your career. So uh, just that a you bit. just need to be able, yeah, just a tiny bit, just only a, a few bit. years worth, right? <laughs> um, I, I so yeah, I you need to um, need to first of all in this business. You have to love it. It has to be in your blood. And yeah. I came to the realization as time went on that oh, this is in my blood. This is what I need to do. Not just want to do, I need to do it. All right. So I'm curious. You graduated in 86, correct? Correct. Okay. Graduated in 86. Did you start in the business in 86 or did you take a... What's the, I actually started in the business in 85. Um, I... In 84, I graduated um, uh, with a bachelor's, and NYIT offered a, uh, um, a fellowship. So I, I was there for another two years. But in the meantime, TV55 started up in 1985, and they're offering up uh, some freelance things. So I'm going to school. I'm doing a fellow uh, at, at school I'm um, I'm working at uh, TV55 and just learning as much as I could and just getting my you know feet wet in the business because I can't tell you how many people told me there's no way you're starting as a you know cameraman or or a photographer or a photojournalist you're going to be pulling cable you're going to be doing something that is relatively menial uh, not not that cable is menial but but you're just going to be you might even be fetching coffee or whatever. And I, the fact that I was able to start as a freelancer and actually shoot, um, like, wow, amazing. I, this is cool. Amazing. You know, and, and getting paid, not a whole lot, but getting paid. You know? Right. And what doing something that you found interesting, which is most oh, important, right? It was everything. It was everything. I, I was just, I was afraid that I couldn't, others certainly can, but I couldn't, sit behind a desk nine to five and, and watch a clock. Mm-hmm. Ironic part about the business and, and Kenton, you, you totally know this. I, yeah. I look at the clock and I'm hoping it goes backwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have enough time. There's, there's, you know, there's deadlines and editing, uh, you know, crashes, uh, you know, that, that you're like, God, am I going to get this on the air? You know, you got to so, love that rush, yeah, right? Oh, oh, that's a drug. <laughs> that's a drug for us. No, the the deadline rush when you know you've got a good story and you want more time to put it together, but it do, that time mm. doesn't exist. That's a drug. And then knowing when you put that baby is birthed at the end of it, oh man, oh. there there's something about that. There, it's euphoric. Um, there's uh, it really is nothing like it. It's true. Yeah, but and so, then when you actually make air and you make slot. It could not be happy. Ah, yes. Baby's born. So, Mike, I want to ask you, though, was there something that you think either in your education or something you did outside of school that prepared you to, I guess, hit the ground running in the business to start out right as as a photojournalist then rather than having to go through the stages of pulling cable? Um, you know, it, it, Joe, it's funny. I, 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 no matter what I dive into, um, I, I really – Go in head first, and I knew the moment that camera went on my shoulder, and I felt that feeling that you want to. This is this is a definitely a career possibility. 
I, like I said earlier, I did not take that camera off my shoulder. Mm. I walked around that, that you know, it actually was a makeshift newsroom in, in the school. I, I knew that I needed to get as good as I possibly could to make this, make this into a living. And I, so, I, you know, the outside world, my world, you know, in my brain, I'm saying this is something you just have to be really good at. Uh, and, and the funny thing is when I first started, I really was pretty awful. Um, taking the class, going out, we were able to rub elbows with, with people out in the field, um, with this class, you could, it was called LI News Tonight, and it, sadly it no longer exists, um, but a lot of people came out of it, uh, and a lot of people in our business, and so, I, you know, we're, we're out, on, out in the field, you know, out, especially if we were out on Long Island, and the Long Island crews from the city stations were at these same events. They were at press conferences. And there I was, like, you know, fumbling around. I didn't know. I wasn't fully, fully locked into how to work all the equipment. And, and it hit me. I, I said, what am I doing? If this is going to be my career, this is the thing I want to do, I need to know this stuff backwards and forwards. And I need to just lock in. And it became a, um, a goal. Like all my other studies kind of, they didn't fall by the wayside, but they just weren't as, in, as important. This was something that just became my world, became my life. And, um, and, uh, it, it wound up working out. I've been in the business for 30 years now. And what was the news world back then? How oh would you goodness. compare it to now? Oh, the only similarity is the journalism part, the, the storytelling part. Storytelling and putting together pieces, um, that doesn't change. That's the part of, you know, finding a good subject and telling their story. And all that stays the same with little minor things here and there. But the technology was unbelievably different. First of all, I, and now I use a camera, a shoulder camera, and not everybody even uses that, much smaller ear. Uh, back then, it was a, two gigantic pieces of equipment connected to each other by That's a right. multi You had the camera and, and you had the deck, right? And you had the deck, yes. And, uh, you know... Back in the day when we had three-man crews. Exactly. That's, that's where I was going. There was a cameraman. There was a deck op operator, and uh, sometimes a lighting person or an audio, audio person. Guy. Like, right? Yes, audio guy. And, we haven't um, even gotten to a reporter yet. <laughs> right? Exactly. No room exactly. in the car. No, right. <laughs> what reporter? <laughs> no, seriously. It it was a huge crew and lots of big pieces of equipment and. That alone has, you know, the world has changed. Um, and, you know, and the quality is just, you know, no no comparison. What were you shooting Working on that? Were you on film? No. <laughs> Not quite that old. But okay, it, never did any splicing? <laughs> I never spliced. Well, you know what? I did take some film classes. But, mm. no, I didn't splice in, in news. Um, it was three-quarter inch tape, um, which eventually went to half inch which was um which was uh, beta 
which eventually turned into um, uh, DVC Pro. That's when it went digital, right? Yep, and then digital. So was uh, was there was there anything that you learned from having to use that equipment then that was a good lesson that translates to today that maybe the new generation isn't learning anymore? That's a great question. Um, I, how, how do I even uh, think? We got all day. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, I'm begging you. Please edit. Um, oh, man. Thanks, Joe. Really, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to scratch my own itch here. Is really what it is. That's that's the goal behind this podcast. For those who are listening and haven't figured that out yet, I mean, Kenton and I get as much out of these podcasts Absolutely. as we are able to give to the people who listen, Absolutely. and it's it's great to be able to chat with you know other industry professionals and and learn from people who are so great at the craft like yourself. So. I hope I bought uh, you a little bit of time there. To talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really nice of you, Joe. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, you know, I feel like that in in just about anything. I, you know, when you you can learn lessons throughout throughout you know anything, and and throughout my career, um, you know, being able to work a large camera and being able to uh, work with big crews. Um, you know, will help you throughout the years. I, oh, well, for instance, I used to edit on deck to deck or tape to tape. They used to, and Linear. I actually loved it. I loved it. And, and along came the um, nonlinear world, and I fought it. I fought it. I'm like, I don't need to do that. I, I know what I'm doing. I love this. I love the, how how to edit. And eventually, the old that I am decided, oh, you know, I should give this a try. And actually, the next job I went to, I had to give it a try. There was no option. Um, I started editing. I'm editing uh, to this day on Avid, um, Avid News Cutter. And, and I, uh, I, I, I kicked myself. I'm like, am I crazy? for taking this long to finally, you know, go over to uh, nonlinear. It, it, so, but it's funny because all those lessons you learn, you know, how to put together a piece, no matter what the format is, it, it's, it's all about telling a story. And, the, you know, no matter what the, uh, the medium is or the, the uh, format is, you're still telling a story. And... I, I think, to your previous question, I think knowing how to have done it in so many different ways just gives you so many more options and, and gives you so many, so much more of a uh, um, an understanding of how it all works. Yeah, that's so. As an MMJ these days, you know, I think that's one of the when I do have the pleasure of working with a photojournalist, it is definitely one of the things that I hope I try at least try to convey that I get what it's like to be on both sides of the camera. So to walk in those shoes, I think just helps the communication helps you articulate with what you need out in the field, what you're looking for. And you just speak a different language. Knowing the language is really one of the things that I found has been so, so useful. Joe, that is 
so very true. Ironically, I, I was speaking with an MMJ today, um, and uh, we were having a very similar conversation about how much she has learned, um, you know, both sides of the camera. And yes, she would definitely enjoy having um, a photog, an editor, or whatever. Um, she knows how to do it all, and and it's so fantastic. And and for me, never been a reporter, but I, you know, I, I once upon a time I was only a, a photog. I was only a photographer, not an editor. And I, the moment I became an editor, I realized how much better I could be knowing what the editor needed. Now it was me who needed that. Right. And I understood like, oh my God, what, what is wrong with me? How am I not giving all the shots that are needed or, or the transition shots or the sequences? And, and you know, here I am giving off a, a tape and saying, good luck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they say the best shooters are editors I, I, as well. And I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with that. Yeah. that I, I don't think there's any question. It really, really, it helped me tremendously. All right, I a big, big difference in my career. I have 100 questions I want to go from this here. <laughs> um, I guess we'll start with, uh, well, well, we'll start with this one here. Was there, you, you had mentioned earlier that you immersed yourself in the field once you realized, okay, this is really what I want to do. I love what I'm doing here. Was there a certain thing that you did? Was it just let me get a camera in my hands as often as I can? Or was there something you read or someone you talked to uh, along those lines at the beginning? I will tell you, in the beginning, um, I, I, in the very beginning, this course had just started. So I think everybody was trying to, you know, feel out the, the direction it was going in. So... You know, there was always conversation, and there was always mentoring, but I felt like I needed to do, I really needed to learn it on my own. But I will say, as time went on, I, I learned so much from this organization, um, and it, I didn't join it immediately, which really, I look back and say, my goodness, how, how in the world did I not, how was I not a part of this MPPA organization? And so that's where the main part of my mentoring came from. But in the very beginning, believe it or not, I think it was more on my own. I, um, and, and, and also, I, I definitely should point out, watching television news, it became an obsession. Uh, I used to watch CNN all the time, because mm. um, it was on all the time, and it was the only thing that was on all the time. Now you've got all these local stations that, you know, have news on constantly. News 12, who I eventually you know, joined, has a, uh, it's a 24-hour regional channel. So it's on all the time. So, yes, lots of watching and, and picking up and learning. Okay. But, uh, but I'd say in the very beginning, I believe it or not, more of my own desire to learn as much as I could and eventually joining MPPA um, and really getting a, a good feel of what uh, what I should be doing. Okay, and then you said when you started out, you were just shooting pretty pictures. So was there a moment, a story, where you went or that you remember 
where you went from just shooting p- pretty pictures to telling stories through the lens? I, you're asking me to choose a baby, <laughs> my favorite child. Or, or something that inspired you. I don't, I don't know, right. you know what it might be. Um, I, I don't know if it was a specific story, but it was a, definitely an entire um, change of, of the way I, I, I do things. In, I didn't go to a workshop or anything like that, but I, um, I started getting these, back then it was VHS tapes of, of the National Press Photographers Association, and they would um, send, like, you know, their year-ending, you know, winning pieces or whatever, and I was watching them. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is how I should be telling stories. Mm. Not, not, you know, not sticking a stick mic in somebody's face. Uh, I need to blob somebody up, you know, mic somebody up and let them do their thing. And, and one of the things um, that truly uh, changed my whole thought process is realizing that instead of having somebody sit behind a desk and, you know, they're a, uh, an artist or something, they should be telling me their story as they're painting, as they're, you know, basket weaving. Whatever they did as a profession or even a hobby, whatever the story was about, if this person was an artist, tell me that story is immersed in your, in your uh, you know, atmosphere that, that, that is what you do. Well, you know, just like I was saying earlier that my my passion is to shoot, is to tell stories, I want you to be immersed in your passion and you tell me a story. Don't shove a stick mic in the person's face. Put a nice wireless lav and have them do their thing. And so was it one specific story? I don't think so. I think it was just a whole change in, in how to tell stories. Awesome. And then, so we... we talked a little bit about MMJs there. Uh, I'm interested to know what are your thoughts on the video journalist MMJ, whatever you want to call them these Uh-oh. days. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, Don't be I, afraid to I, keep it real, Mike. <laughs> I, I will totally keep it real. They, I, I, my, my, first of all, I, I am insanely impressed with MMJs being able to do everything, you know, especially I work in New York, New York City, um, and I see it, and I'm just like, you know, first of all, I, I, I want to put my camera down and help. I want to do I can. I'm serious. Thank you I, from I all badly. the MMJs out there. Big thank you from 100%. all the... <laughs> I, I, Joe, I, I, I truly, truly uh, respect what you do. It's so difficult um, and so much work, but I know it's rewarding. I know a lot of MMJs, um, and again, I bring up the organization over and over, but there's a bunch of uh, MMJs involved with, with the uh, PPA, and th- some of their work is just unbelievably good. I mean, fantastic work, and, um, and they're telling stories. And the, the key thing, as you know, Joe, is you know what you shot. There's no, there's no middleman to have to go through. You know the stuff you've captured. It and it 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 eliminates the guesswork. Right. And you know, I 
I know that it's a difficult job, and I know that my thought process is, you know, I want to be the best I can at shooting and editing. I know I've worked with a million reporters that, you know, focusing their, honing their skills on, on doing their thing, but uh, being able to do all all three or even four, every, you know, you're an assignment editor too, you know. Yeah, um, right. Being able to do all of it uh, is very impressive, and I I would never, ever, um, you know, look down upon an MMJ. I, I know the work is is tremendously difficult, and uh, they're doing their thing, and you're doing your thing. So. All right, so MPPA. How do people get in? What for the for the person that doesn't know what it's all about? Explain what MPPA is for them, and what is expected when you're a member. How do you become a member? Uh, what are the requirements? Talk to me about it. We think I'm. Uh, we think I'm a spokesman. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're not. You, I know you've only Wait said it. Every day. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're not on the payroll. Hold on. Yeah. That Think sounds, about that. Though. That's how passionate you are. Yeah, right, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. I, I talked to exactly, you. I'm sorry. Exactly, Joe. That's exactly what I was <laughs> yeah. about to say. That's how passionate I am about this organization. I have, I you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a um, an officer. I'm, I'm nothing. I, I, I you know, will judge from time to time. I submit my stuff all the time if I have something halfway decent to. But the beautiful thing about MPPA is you can. First of all, once you're a member, um, everything is free. Any contests are free. Um, so that's a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, there's different things on the website that you can, um, you know, video um, people's work is on the uh, site all the time. Uh, I belong to, obviously, MPPA, but I'm a uh, video photographer. I'm a news photographer, so... Um, the the NPPA.org site is much more uh, geared towards print. There are some things that are um, that bring you towards the uh, you know the video end of it, but it's TV um, NPPA.org that brings you to the video uh, portion of it. So um, it's 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 well worth your time to at least check it out. Um, the thing with uh, MPPA is it's a culture. It's it's literally it's a culture. It's a way of it's a it's a way of of telling stories. It's a way of uh, being a photojournalist. Um, it's not just some you know organization that says uh, you always have to use a tripod. The end. Mm-hmm. That's that's not it. You know, there's so much more to it. Um, but but entering and getting critiques. There are critiques involved, and um, it really, really uh, uh, is worthwhile. I'm Kenton, imba- I know you I'm, want more. Talk, talk, no, well, no, talk. you know, I'm actually embarrassed to say that I'm not a member of the MPPA. Oh, I'm not either. And I'm and, familiar well, with the MPPA. I'm totally familiar with it, but, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know, maybe I just need to get off my ass and get it done. Well, I don't think anybody's <laughs> given me the glowing endorsement that I just received either, so... <laughs> well, actually, that's a good question. Do no, you need I, an endorsement? How does that? Do you need an endorsement from someone that's already a member? Wait, one more time. Yeah, do you, I, do I didn't you, hear that. Do you need an endorsement from someone no, that's already no, a member? No, not at all. No, no, you don't need an endorsement. Sign up, um, become a member. My station pays for our memberships. 
Wow. Wow. Absolutely fantastic. Um, a lot of stations throughout the uh, country have a nice setup where if you're that, you know, into um, being a member, being a part of this culture, they want you to. And other stations, not so much. But um, my station does. Uh, there's a lot of... Hey, it's funny, there's a lot of stations throughout the country that just call themselves, oh, we're an MPPA station. That, because it's their style, it's their culture within the newsroom, within their um, photographer staff and reporters. Reporters are always kind of on board. Usually they go to a station that might be an MPPA station with that thought in mind. I want to be, I want to tell that, uh, those types of stories. I want to be a storyteller with a photog. And uh, so it is a, um, it, you know, it's it's an exciting thing to be at a station that that wants to tell those types of stories. Uh, my station is probably split. Half the guys are, in, and half the you know reporters and whatever um, are, you know, telling more traditional stories, telling the stories that they want to, how they want to tell them. And um, so, you know, I myself and a few others are much more into trying to. Uh, tell um, stories in a MVPA storytelling type ways, but it, it, you have to kind of become involved with it to fully understand where, what direction I'm going in here. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. And I think once you've seen some of NPPA style stories, you, you, you get it. And even if people aren't a member of it, I think you can just tell the storytelling that goes into it um, more so than just reporting it, I, I, that's what I think it is. I, I find that, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I find that NPPA stories are more storytelling than just reporting the news. You're they're, you're getting immersed in the news more with NPPA-style stories. Uh, you are 100% right, yeah. Joe. No, no correcting you. <laughs> you're, you nailed it. That's exactly the situation. It is telling stories about people um, letting those people tell the, the, their stories. Um, if anybody's interested, look up Boyd Cooper. Oh, ten, uh, land John, of 10,000 stories, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, some of my favorites. Jonathan Malott, which has been his partner for many, many years, and their, their stuff is just... Uh, you'll either get... You'll either laugh, uh, learn an insane amount, or, or get choked up, or all three. Yeah. I, some stories are just, um, you're literally laughing and two seconds later, you're getting choked up. It's just great, great, um, I, I don't want to say drama. It's just great uh, journalism, and it's great storytelling. Yeah, that's it right there. So, Mike, you've been in the business for 30 years. Uh, what's yeah. your favorite type of piece to cover? What's your favorite type of piece to work on now? Um, you know, I, I've been so many different things. I've done hard news stories where your, your adrenaline is pumping and you're, you know, you're running like a crazy person and you're trying to get stuff on the air. And, um, but I'd, I'd have to say my favorite thing is to tell a really good, uh, a good, and I, the word feature almost has a, a um, like a negative. Right. Why uh, is that? <laughs> You know, Joe, you're on the same page with me. I really, it just has a weird connotation. And I, it doesn't have to be a fluff piece about, right. you know, right. uh, some 
silly, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be that. It could be a really, it could have some, some meat to it. It could have a little bit of an edge to it. But I, I still love the feature, and I still, and I love telling a story about somebody who, who has a story to tell who would, or, would never ordinarily be in the news. You know, I, somebody who has a great story that, seriously, you wouldn't know them if you, you passed them on the street, as right. opposed to some celebrity that's, you know, pushing something or whatever. And again, nothing wrong with celebrities. I've, I did a show called Talk Stoop and literally dealt with a... a oh, with, with Cat Greenleaf? Yeah. With Cat Greenleaf, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know you worked on that. Cool. I, I um, once upon a time... Uh, I worked for New York nonstop, a small digital station of which um, Talk Stoop started. And uh, we basically, the inmates were running the asylum. <laughs> and they said, go out and create, go out and find stories, go out and whatever. The cat and I teamed up together for, uh, for a while and we were coming up with different stuff. And all of a sudden we came up with a segment, Talk Stoop. It was just a little segment and it barely was celebrities in the beginning eventually became celebrities, eventually became a show, and uh, she's now got her own production company doing the show, and it airs on USA and lots of stuff, and, and I went back to news, but I enjoyed it and had a fantastic time for it. Yeah, how long was your run with Kat? You did that for a while. Yeah, I, I was with her for probably about four or five years, um, and, uh, and loved it, absolutely loved it, uh, but news is truly and 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 telling stories about people that don't ordinarily get their stories told that's really what's in my heart yeah that's awesome i mean that's what this was meant to be right journalism was to give a voice to the voiceless a hundred percent correct yeah. yes that is what we're supposed to be doing Sometimes, and uh yeah. it's the most important thing to me uh telling a story and uh and and, and letting them be heard. You know, I, I don't know if it's still going, but uh, I, I went to Syracuse and uh, some of the professors up there were just having a survey circulate about how often journalists today get to practice what the principles of journalism are and how mm-hmm. far we've come away from them. And I, I think it's interesting, depending on the newsroom and where you are in your career and market, everything, I think people have a different perspective. But uh, I'm really interested to see the results of the survey if they've finalized it yet. Um, Mike, hold on one second for me. If I, I don't know if you hear that rumbling or moaning in the background, it's not my stomach. Maggie, I have, I have, a, I have a bull mastiff that is very upset I do because not, I do not hear it. Okay, she's very upset that we've, we've locked ourselves in the room and and her mother is not home to entertain her. So, um, <laughs> all right, hold on a second. So, so I, my, uh, <laughs> my daughter is uh, fast asleep. My wife is holed up in some room watching TV or whatever. So I, I am uh, up in my office and I do not hear anything on your end except <laughs> your voices. So, so all good. Well, the, the tail is wagging now that we've we've let her in the room. She really, uh, <laughs> okay. she, I think she's very That's interested hysterical. in NPPA. That's so. funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. But anyway, so That's look, great. we know there's no typical day in journalism, right? But, but. There are some trends that go along. Uh, can you take us through, like, what a, 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 you know, from the start of your day to a newscast might be in a general sense? Sure. And, and it's funny. It's, it really 
is different. And it's funny, as I was driving home today, I was thinking about um, some of the things you were going to chat about, and it is so different from what it was even five to ten years ago. Hmm. Um, the fact that I don't really ever have to step foot in our newsroom at all. I'm completely self-contained. I um, I'm usually leave... Um, the, the bureau is actually my house. My, I, I work out of, I leave my house. I head to, um, I get the assignment. I head straight to either the story or I might pick up the reporter depending on where we go. And, um, we'll head to our story depending on what they like. You know, if they like the story, we might stick with it. If they're not that keen on it after we've kind of, you know, uh, fleshed it out a little bit. Uh, we might move on to another story. We might pick up something that they might want, but still move on to another story. And eventually we will get and start working on the story that we put together. Um, sometimes now, now the, the shows are growing. So we might have a noon live shot for that story. We might do a story for the noon and then start a completely different story for the five or six o'clock. Um, I work with some reporters that our producers love them so much that they want more of them. So they wind up in the five and the six. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky me. I work with uh, I work with a good friend of yours, Kenton. I'm thinking you're thinking. Me, Go ahead. What's that? Andrew Siff, I'm thinking. Of course. All right. Of all right. course. He loves you and told me to say hello. And, What's up, uh, Andrew? <laughs> exactly. He, he mentioned um, what a tremendous, tremendously hard worker you are, especially he mentioned a, a parade that you had to walk, walk an entire route, the entire route of, of a parade with gear. And he said, I, I really appreciated everything he Those did. Those are the moments and, I try and forget. But thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Well, he definitely did not forget. He appreciated <laughs> that's, it tremendously. That's the military uh, service that coming out there. That could definitely be it, yeah. I just thought about <laughs> yeah. it's just my duffel bag. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> but, but there are many times I pick up Andrew um, in Queens, and then we head, um, head in, in to a story. But, but we will work on that story and if they really, really love it and want to maybe lead the five and the six with it, we're turning that into two different stories. Um, but a lot of times uh, we'll meet up with a, a live truck, but if it's not live, um, there's a good chance I might um, just edit them out in the field, depending on where we are, depending on time uh, limitations. And uh, we'll pull over and I edit uh, both pieces in the backseat of my uh of my crew vehicle, and uh, we feed him back with um, our FTP site. That the FTP site that uh, it's called Latiku. I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys have worked with Latiku, but uh, uh, you know there are a million different uh, FTP sites, and uh, this is the one we use. We feed it back, um, and uh, it's amazing because uh, everything is now HD. So uh, yeah. can't believe. Uh, the difference in what it used to look like and what it looks like now. How, what, are, what are some of the most common uh, challenges you run into on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, communication. Uh, <laughs> communication. Wait a minute. In the communication yeah. business? Exactly. Um, just, I mean, in New York City, <laughs> one of the biggest 
challenges is getting around. Mm. Trying to get from one place to another, as you know, both of you know, is a huge challenge, especially if you have multiple uh, locations for shoots, yeah. um, you know, for uh, different uh, shoots within the story that you're working on. Um, but that's a challenge. Um, sometimes selling your story, um, you know, we might be working on a story that uh, we're like, wow, I, I really like this, but the producer that the show is supposed to go into, like, eh, I heard about it this morning. I wasn't that keen about it. And, uh, and sell it to me because I'm not, I don't think it's going to make it into the show. So, you know, that's a bit of a challenge. Um, I, I think the desk uh, has the most difficult job in the newsroom by far. Um, and they get the least amount of glory and they get all the crap <laughs> placed on them. So I would never badmouth uh, the desk, but sometimes it is a bit of a, a, a uh, a lack of communication, not even between us and the desk, but the desk and the producers. So mm. that sometimes, you know, you're calling in and saying, hey, um, we just talked to the uh, the, the 5 o'clock producer. Uh, this story is no longer happening, and they not, might not even know it. it, right. it, it so communication uh, between all of us uh, could always be a little better. Um, trying to get around... Uh, in New York City, technically, it could be issues um, when it comes to, like, wireless mics uh, from one block to the next. They might not be working, and that kind of can throw off the way you want to do a story. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I talk to crews that come from all around the country, and when they have a story in New York City, they say, how do you get your wireless mics to work? <laughs> Always having issues. And I'm like, well... You go one go one block over, or you try and change your frequency, or whatever. But there are always so many obstacles, um, you know, in in the great city of New York. One of the things that I, I love from the stories that you put together is, is the net sound that you use. And just because you brought up mics, it made Joe, me think. You've seen, you've seen the pieces. <laughs> I, I've seen a couple oh, yes, of them. Have. I don't know that I'm I'm watching as much news as as you were when you started out, probably. But I, I consume a good amount of it. But more so online. That's the best part. Is you know, if you, I don't have to catch a newscast anymore because they put it up online, and I can go back and see how somebody did the same story that I was on that day, even though I couldn't catch Love it for it. the first time. Um, I love that option. Yeah, it's it's incredible. But, I, you know, I, I think that that's unbelie- an unbelievable tool that a lot of journalists, especially starting out, don't use enough Nat Sound to bring their viewer into the place that they are. Um, but you do just such an incredible job using it. And I was curious if you have any, you know, techniques that you use. You mentioned using the, the wireless lav. Do you, do you actually put the wireless lav on some of the things that are, are making the sound that way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've lobbed up ice skates. I've lobbed up um, dogs. I've, I've put that mic, wireless mic on just about anything and everything. And, and it's funny, earlier we talked about pretty picture-taking and then becoming more of a, a journalist. Um, pictures are so huge. We're in television, of course. But... I think the sound might even be more important than pictures. Mm. Uh, I know it's not radio, but telling a story through sound is so important, so important. Um, 
I, you, here's an example. If you could watch, if, if you're watching television and you shut off the sound, you can, you could see pretty pictures or whatever, but you really can't get the full gist of the story. But if you're watching, listening to, I, I will listen to um, your network, buddy, your network, uh, and, um, I will, on, on the way home from work, I will listen to CBS um, News. Oh, with Scott Pelley, yeah, the <laughs> national news. That's yeah. Exactly. Yep. And they air it locally on the radio, and I love it. And especially when um, Steve Hartman comes on, yeah. and he puts a you know, great piece with I can totally, yes, would I love to be seeing it? Yes, but I can appreciate every second of that story through the audio that is done. So, See, yeah. that, that drives me crazy. I got to interrupt. I can't. When I'm watching a piece, I don't even listen the first time. I have to watch it twice because the first time I'm watching it, I'm looking to see how it was shot, how everything was composed. I, and, and it actually leads me to a, the, my next question for you. Do you still consider yourself a student of the game? Because I oh. still, I mean, I work amongst these guys now, but I still watch 60 Minutes all the time and, and you know, try oh. and get little tricks here and there. And, and it's crazy because I could just talk to them in the crew room, but I'd rather just watch the work and then, you know, figure it out on my own. Or then if I can't figure it out, I'll ask them. But do you still consider yourself a student of the game? The day I'm no longer a student of the game is the day I retire. It's the day I'm I, not even then. It's the day I, I no longer want to do this. And I don't ever think I don't ever want to do it. So I am always, always going to be and today and will be a student of the game. But I, I, I learn something different every day. And I know that sounds like a total cliche. But I truly do learn something every day, and I need to constantly be upping my game and, and looking at new ways to do things. I, I play with the GoPro all the time now. Yeah, a new tool that I never used to play with. Used to be and, it used to be frowned upon, you know. Right. Yeah. But but here's the thing: I will not use the GoPro to do my entire story. But just little flavoring will help that enhance that story, uh, you know, to a point where he, people be you know watching and saying, "Oh, whoa! How did that happen? <laughs> like, how did you get that shot?" Right. But if you did it the entire piece, the the element of surprise does not exist, and you want to you want to have little reveals throughout stories and really kind of keep people's heads in the games and. Getting back to audio, and I, I appreciate your kind words, Joe. Um, I try to really bring in the sights and sounds, and importantly, not more importantly, but as importantly, the sounds of the location that we're doing that story in. So whether it's natural sounds of a brook or, you know, um, a bicycle wheel or, or a flag, you know, flapping, just to kind of bring the viewer to piece that or the location that myself and the reporter or I want them to be a part of it and I think the natural sounds of that location bring you there and really help that that experience but also putting the lob on 
on your subject or subjects and just kind of almost eavesdropping on their day. You ask me a day in the life of a, of a photog, I want, to, I want to show the viewer the day in the life of that person. You know, we don't, we don't really have the time and news to do documentaries or mini documentaries or whatever, but it, I want the piece that I'm doing to be almost a little bit of a mini documentary. I want, I want you to experience as much as I can, you know, have you experienced, but, you know, when I'm working with somebody like Andrew Siff, he wants to take himself out of the piece. He, he, he doesn't want to be the story. He wants the story to be about this person or these people or, or whatever they are. And we want to bring it to you and, and have us as, in it as little as possible have the people really give you that feeling of, wow, I'm here. That's, that's so refreshing to me to hear that because I often, there are so many stories that I'll leave myself out of, you know, I don't need to do a stand up or I don't need to, it's not about me. I don't need to be in this story. Uh, I mean, sometimes you need it as a, to guide the viewer to a new place or to do a transition or as an explainer to demonstrate something. But God, so many times the stories that we, I feel like sometimes we as reporters get in the way of story sometimes. And that's the, uh, the stroke of the ego that we need, I guess, in that sense. You know, Joe, it's funny. As you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, also, is it possible your news director might get pissed at you, you know, might get upset with you, you know, if if you don't show your face. Uh, you know, the viewer needs to, you know, needs to know who's t- talking to them. They want to feel a connection with them. And I, I'm fine with all of it. I, you know, there's so many different ways to do things. Every, not every piece I do can be the formula that I want it to be. There are times when we might not have video of something and I, you know, we need the reporter to, you know, like you said before, transition, bridge the gap from one part of the story to the next. It might be the savior to the story that we just, we just don't have enough to work with here. Uh, we're on deadline and I don't have video for what you're about to talk about. So just get on camera, stand in front of this thing and let's do it. You know, there's deadlines as we've talked about before and, Sometimes you just have to do it, you know. Um, not all the you know rules go in and out out the window depending on the circumstances that you're dealing. The best advice I ever got for this thing that we do, I call it a calling, passion, career, whatever you want, is these are the rules, except when they're not. And just, mm-hmm. just that is to say that. Yeah, you can have a, a set of rules and a news director might have different set of rules when he comes in or she comes in. And then you might have rules for a story, like you said, that you would like to go and, but okay, that's not going to apply for this story because we don't have that video. And sometimes you have to make air, not art, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it. <laughs> um, so, so true. I, and, and Joe, the bottom line is you, you nailed it. It, there are days when you just have to get it on the air. So the news director, depending on how you put that story together, or what, they're going to be much more happy with you that you made air than, oh, you didn't make air, but you did it the way I wanted you to. Right. <laughs> right. You're out, I mean, you're out in the field. You're out there. You know what you're up against. And you'll try and communicate that to them as the day's going along. But if you're up against against the gun and you need to just get this thing on the air. 
they'll be much happier that it made the air than than you know breaking a few rules as you were saying. Yeah, it's very rare that a producer you know gives you the the huge kudos for uh, a, a great unique shot, but the fact that you got the story in early and somebody else had to float so you can fill the spot. <laughs> God, they'll they'll want to carry you out of the newsroom <laughs> over their head. <laughs> It's so true. Oh, it's so true. All right, but on oh, that note, because we faced that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have something you wanted to add there? No, no, no. Go, go on. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. On, on that note, though, because time is something that is probably one of the main constraints that we deal with. Um, I mean, do you have any techniques, any any ways that you found? Just hey, I can do this faster if I do it this way, or things that you've just cut out that were just wasting time? Right. How do you approach Now, were you talking about throughout the day or, or like in an edit session or? Either or. I, I right. mean, if there's if there's yeah. a trick. I mean, one of the things that you just said is when you are your own editor, sometimes that just helps streamline the process because look, oh, I know when goodness, I, yeah. as, as an MMJ, the advantage to that is, you know, I, I can write the line as I shoot the shot you know, and then I know what I'm going to use when I edit it because I've just seen it. So that that process becomes a little bit more seamless. There are also obviously limitations. I can't sometimes I can't pull off the shot that I want to with me on camera or something like that. But are there, are there things like that that you use, uh, be it in the editing process or throughout the day? Well, we'll do it in two parts. Throughout the day, the most important thing that I do and and really do with you know, people like uh, Andrew Siff, is we back time the day. We make sure that we have enough time sectioned off throughout the day that we don't get pushed against the, um, you know, uh, we're not up against it when when crunch time comes. We've allowed ourselves enough time. The, the problem with some some people that you might work with especially when it's two people, not one like yourself, Joe, is that, you know, they'll worry so much about one thing and dwell on it. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, but, but the, you know, my producer or my news director really wanted me to get this. And you're like, but it's not happening. Right. You need to, you need to move on. You have to move on. So, um, that time in the day, we're allowing this much time for this. If this doesn't work out, then we're moving on to the next thing, and you just have to stick with it. Now, and also communicate with your 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 desk and, and your producer, because they might turn around and say, you know what? We don't care about any of the other things. Stick with this the rest of the day. And if it doesn't work out, we might not even use the story. Like, it's all about communication. So if you're not re- re- relaying that message to them, they don't have the option to tell you, yes, do it, or don't do it. So if you're in communication with them, great. You have to do that. Then back time your day to make sure that you give yourself enough time to write, produce, the whole deal. And then once I'm in the, an edit day, I do the, you know, I, I as soon as the, uh, the producer, uh, the reporter is ready with, not even ready with a script, when they started building a script, I'm just constantly asking them for, for sound bites. In the nonlinear world, you can lay in anything. You can get rid of it in a heartbeat. You can move it in a heartbeat. So you might as well just get it on that timeline. I'm just constantly thinking of building that story. The more stuff I have on that timeline and stuff that's going to stick, 
you know, it's the script is going to work. This is this is going to be the script. The quicker I can get that down, the more I can, I have uh, the more time I have to finesse. And that's where most pieces are better when you have more time, and when you can manage the time, the piece is just going to be better. There's no question about it. So that helps. You know, uh, and, and working with somebody like Andrew, he's so fast and he's constantly looking at the stuff we've done and logging in the car and, and writing in the car that by the time we're ready to, to edit, we've got plenty of time to put something together. That's real nice. That's great. You know, I, I've heard uh, a couple people say that you should leave as much time to edit as you leave to write. If it took you 30 minutes to write the piece, you, you should leave your, you know, editor 30 minutes to cut the piece. Does that ever happen for you? Uh, yeah. yeah. Keep laughing. Yeah, I know. A, <laughs> no, that, that's such a, I love that rule. If it only <laughs> stuck. If it existed. I, that, that rule is fantastic. <laughs> I want that rule to be laid in stone. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I find, though, a lot of times, I mean, I do this to myself sometimes, I'll write a great piece, and I'm really happy with my writing on it, and then I'm like, oh, man, I crap now. <laughs> I got to get this on air, and I've just written, and, I, and, and my words get lost because I don't have the time to make the pictures complement the words or use the sound to, right. you know, highlight them sometimes, so... Um, uh, sometimes the simplest stories of your own script or my own script, I should say, end up being the best stories because the pictures and video just complement them so nicely. And it's better that they sing together, you know? Right. As, as, as you know, Joe, you know, one of the keys to uh, good storytelling is writing to your video. video. Exactly. Yes. You know, and, and then the best thing is when you're writing to your video and the eloquence comes out in the writing. So, you know, that combination is, you know, is what you, we all, you know, strive for. Um, there are some times when, uh, when reporters writes, you know, write something to the video and it is so beautifully written and so perfectly written that, uh, you know, I, I, I have to make a point to tell my reporter how fantastic I think thought that job was because, you know, they're, they're always telling us, you know, at least the people I work with, most of the people I work with are always saying, Hey, great job. I love the way you did this, whatever. It has to be returned. It has to be. And, you know, great writing is so huge and so important in this business. And, um, as we were talking about Boyd earlier, I mean, his writing is so simple yet. So, you know, perfect to every like the storytelling that he does complements everything that is shot you know it it's so um it's 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 an art it's an absolute art so from the view behind the camera especially for people starting out i mean is there anything that either working with andrew or any other reporter that they ways that you can articulate are they telling you a line that they're right that they want to write in the field while you're shooting or do you say hey i got this shot like this is beautiful and then they write to it or do you guys just know at this point because you've worked together so closely so often uh that hey i know he's gonna write this line and i'm gonna get this shot or he knows i'm gonna get this shot and he's gonna write the line it, it's an absolute combination yeah. there, there are times 
when we're totally in sync and you know, you know, he's, I'm doing my job, he's doing his job, he's, you know, but there are times when you might get something that might be, you know, out from out in left field. Like it might be something that I don't think he or she is going to know, <laughs> mind read, you know, what I'm doing here. So I absolutely will let them know and vice versa. They just the other day, somebody had said, I'm thinking about writing this line. It was a great line. And I, I was trying to figure out what made sense in, in, you know, what I was shooting and we wound up, you know, locking in and, and it worked out great. But yeah, no communications again, so huge. Um, so yes, the more you can tell each other stuff, the drive to the story, we're constantly talking about how we want to go about doing it. We don't go in with that preconceived notion, um, but you all, but you, you're going in with some great ideas. So when you get there, if it's, you know, the story or, or, you know, the location or whatever, even remotely, you know, locks into what you guys are talking about in the car, you're ahead of the game. Um, if you get there and it's completely different, well then, you know, you take it from there and you, you start, you know, hashing out some other ideas, but talking is so crucial, you know, with your partner, partner in crime, especially when, when it comes time to, uh, putting that whole piece together and you're, uh, you just have to keep that communication. But like you said, Andrew and I, have worked together quite often and we definitely do seem to meet, read each other's minds from time to time, but you want to really keep, you know, in touch. I got a question. Um, how long have you, how long were you at news 12? Cause I'm curious to know what the transition was like for you going from a non-union to a union shop. It was, uh, I don't want to say challenge. Um, I was at news 12 for, not quite 20 years. Wow. A long time. Yeah. And when I went out to San Francisco, I was working in union shops. And then I came back non-union and then into the city, obviously union. Right. Um, you know what, I, Kent and I, I really feel like you make the best of, of your circumstances. And, um, yeah, there are certain things that we can and can't do. And there are certain things that uh, you might be frowned upon or whatever. But, you know, the bottom line is the end, end of the, by the end of the day, you, you're still doing the same job, trying to tell a really good story. And if if certain things might get in the way, uh, you work around them. You know, whether it's you know you can do this or you're you, you need a second man for you know uh, being on a on a moving vehicle or something like that. You call the desk, hey, can we get somebody over here and and we'll see if we can make it work. And if not, we'll figure something else out. So mm-hmm. there are many ways to get around things. And um, But, yeah, there's no question it was a, a bit of a, uh, a, a not life-changing, life-altering, but um, it was a different feel. How, another question. What advice would you give for people with families that are in this business? 
how do you explain to your partner or to your family? Oh, that wait, you, this is wait, we're about to get we're uh, getting in there. I know where we're going with this here. And I believe the therapy slash relationship counseling bills that you yeah. can uh, then like, give out to everybody out there. Basically, how do you explain to someone that, I listen, I know it's going to be a cop out. <laughs> how do you get to I married? Who would you marry? I married somebody who was an assignment editor. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, you know something? You should have it good. Because I've heard stories where it's just like, all right, you would imagine. All right. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is, how do you explain to someone that's not in our business? <laughs> you know, listen, I know I'm not a first responder, but sometimes I got to get there before the first responders. You know, if it's breaking news, I got to get to the scene. I got to get there first. Uh, how well, do you explain that? How do you explain it? Well, you probably you, uh, you said you didn't have to explain. For it. me, it's it's not as difficult, but right. I think I think whether it's a spouse or I, I think they know what they've gotten in, into. I, I'm hoping they do. I would say you I, hope. Get, yeah. Does anyone yeah, really know, know what they've gotten themselves into <laughs> when it comes to? I don't even know if I know what I got. Right. <laughs> no, I love it. I, it's as crazy as it can be at times, and and. The, you know the wackiness of our business. I, I do love it, and uh, but I, you know, I, I it is still my, my wife is no longer in the business, um, and you know there's still days when I have to say, hey, I'm gonna be a little late, and, and you know she's totally fine with it. But but I you know I can definitely see how you know others might not be as fine, especially not being in the business and and not knowing that. You know, it's certainly not life or death, whatever, but depending on the circumstances and, and uh, you know, the stories that we're doing, uh, it could be a little crazy. But, Mike, uh, Mike, remember how you said that everybody, you know, gives compliments around the newsroom when you do a good job <laughs> and you need to pay them forward? I think sometimes we have to yeah. pay the compliments forward to the people who love and support the journalists Absolutely. of the world because that might be the hardest oh. job outside the newsroom. <laughs> A hundred percent. And anytime, anytime I win anything, it's the first thing out of my mouth. Thank you. Good man. Good uh, man. All right. In the interest of absolutely, and I'm sorry, just absolutely, you know, supporting everything you you you're going for. You know. Yeah. It, just in the interest of time, I, I want to throw a couple at you quick here um, because I thank you. It's it's almost ten o'clock here. So uh, as we're recording this, who knows when you're listening? But. Um, so real quick, we, we have a couple questions we like to throw at people, and I'm, I'm sorry because sometimes they come across as heavy. They, they're not that quick, but <laughs> so I, I want to start uh, with... I'm not frightened. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so I, first one is just, is, is there a piece of advice somebody who's just getting in this business right now, who's breaking in, that you would give to them that was most valuable to you? Yes, passion. Mm. Um, if you are passionate about it, no matter what, uh, the position is, no matter what the job is, um, go for it. Um, if you don't have passion for this business, I'm not a hundred percent sure it's for you. Um, but if you're teetering on whether or not, you know, you're trying to make money or you're trying to meet celebrities or whatever, then, you know, it's probably not the direction you want to go in. But if you're, you want to be, journalist or storyteller or, to, or com, combine all, all of it together and you have a tremendous passion for it, absolutely just go for it. There are going to be so many roadblocks that you're going to have to deal with. 
Um, and you might wind up in a tiny little town in Iowa, but if it's what you want to do, go for it because it's an, an amazing, uh, career choice if you have the passion for it. Awesome. Is there a tool that you have that is maybe wasn't that expensive that you think somebody should go out there and invest in? Uh, I love my steady bag. <laughs> I know that's not, not very uh, glamorous uh, or sexy to talk about, but, um, I, you know, steady bag is, is an actual piece of equipment, but it's almost, uh, you know, a, uh, um, it's almost, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm all ears. I really want to know what's in this bag. <laughs> Wait, what's that? I really want to know what's in this bag. What, steady bag? Yeah. Oh, steady bag is a, it literally is, it's such a simple piece of equipment. Um, it's like a sandbag, but with a little more uh, give. And um, when you're not trekking around with a tripod, um, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you can't bring a tripod. They might not allow you to bring a tripod. Uh, it might be a tour that where the no tripods allowed, or it might be a circumstance where you're trying to get into a location that might be too difficult to get a tripod in. You just drop your steady bag, whether whether it's onto a you know a table or onto the ground or whatever. You drop down, you, you put your your um, your camera onto it. The camera actually uh, molds to the steady bag, and you now kind of you have a uh, a locked in. This is great because when I usually get, uh, we're looking it up as we speak, and of course we put for all the people who listen, we put <laughs> this up on the website. Yeah, it. no, I'm on but it. Usually, yeah, so we'll put links up on the website so people who are, are listening can check it out as always. But you know, I mean, this is a huge improvement over my foot that I put the camera on, <laughs> or, or my eat. wallet, well, yeah. or my <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> wallet, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to prop things I've up. I've used the wallet. I've used everything, <laughs> and yeah. then, I, then I joined NTPA and they talked about the steady bag, and I'm like. I'm getting it. I'm yeah. getting it. It has really helped. That's great. That's great. That's perfect. That's the exact type of thing that we were looking for. Seriously. Um, okay, cool. And then, uh, well, I, I guess we could leave this with the last one unless there's more you want to go with. But we, we try and figure out where the heck uh, this industry mm-hmm. is going. Uh, so if you had to throw a guess in the next, you pick it, five, ten years, uh, what the big change might be, anything that you could see coming down the line. And you can take it from the viewer or consumer's point of view, from a photographer's point of view, how, however you want to take that question. All right, well, first of all, <laughs> if I really, really did know, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah, right. A billionaire. I, I, I wish I knew. I wish I had that brain that could tell me, you know, can either invest in this or or design this, but seriously, I, I think we're going to get to a point where you know, cameras are going to be, you know, depending on how far into the future we're talking, we might be shooting stuff with our brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> I know, that's scary. I do know? that I mean, every day. Like a, um, what, what was it, Max Headroom, where everything was going, through, you know, anything he saw was being uh, transmitted back. Um, yeah, what is that honestly, called? Max Headroom? Max Headroom. Okay. Got to check Max that out. Headroom. That was many years ago. And I think he was, you know, 
like a human cameraman, and he everywhere he went, the the um, whatever he saw was being recorded. Well, so, on that on but, that, are you familiar with that? There's an app called Beam. I think it's B E E M or B E A M. I'm not I don't sure on know it. Okay, but basically, it's like think of uh, it, it takes all of the um, I guess. For, photography work out of it it just takes a picture as soon as you turn on the app or or it takes a video recording depending on what it's set to i believe and uploads it right away so there's no editing involved you know almost like that it's your brain it's what you're seeing right now you turned on the app and it automatically goes up there so so look at this i just came up with an idea oh, that, yeah. that <laughs> a million dollar this million just, dollar idea that, that has already been taken. I had it in eight seconds earlier. Somebody <laughs> came up with an app. It, I'm, I literally, it, it's relatively new. I mean, it's within the last year for sure, I believe. Uh, so. You know I who mean, did it? Honestly, you know who's behind this? Did you see, I'm sure you saw, the video of the guy snowboarding in uh, Times Square for the big snowstorm on 2016? Casey oh, yeah. Neistat? Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, the, the one with the string? Yeah, the yes. one that was getting pulled by a car, yeah. They, yes. Yeah. That yes, the I, guy I, who was doing that is the guy behind this. <laughs> I'm sure he is. I, I, people coming up with ideas. Um, I mean, the sad part is I, I don't know. I, I can't come up with those ideas. <laughs> I, I hear the frustration. I know. Yeah, so, so I'm feeding our news beast, but I'm not. But I'm not feeding uh, my uh, my bank account yeah. with. Uh, with money ideas, but uh, honestly, though, um, I'm almost frightened, you know, to know what what is going to happen in the next ten years. I, I think about my dad passed away like twenty years ago now, and I, I just I can't, I just w- wouldn't believe his. I, all right, how do I word this? I think my dad would be blown away by what. He, you know, if he came back for a day, mm. how cool it would be to uh, to see where we've gone in the last twenty years. I mean, it's unbelievable. But yeah. like, he saw me just, just you know, relatively early in my career, and to see where we've gone and see, you know, how gorgeous. I mean, you walk into your house and you're watching TV uh, on a wall on a flat screen and. And the picture is breathtaking. It looks like you're looking out the window. Yeah. He wouldn't believe it. So I can just imagine 10 years down the road, what 20 years down the road, what it's going to look like and what, what's, what we're going to be experiencing. I, I, I couldn't even venture a guess, but I know it's going to be amazing. And finally, what's next for you, Mike? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> what is next? Uh, I never... I, I, Ironically, some people were asking me whether or not I wanted to go into management this past week. Um, and down the road, uh, you know, maybe maybe do a little uh, teaching at a college or something. But right now, I'm just too. I, I've got the bug. Um, I need to tell stories. I need to continue to do it. Um, as long as my legs and shoulder hold up, uh, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, and my, my daughter is four and a half now, and she she has the bug. She's constantly with her little iPad camera wow. taking pictures and, and going all over the place. And we, we went to the museum last week, and uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, and, and she uh, 
she's like, Daddy, I'm, I'm taking pictures just like you. And, oh, wow. uh, cool. you know, it's yeah. the greatest feeling in the world, yeah. you know? And I just, I, I, you know, I, I know I make her proud. She barely even knows what I do, but, um, you know, she, uh, I, I just, I want to keep doing it because I love it. And I want her to know that, that she can do something that she loves doing too. That's a great way to end it. That man. is a fantastic <laughs> way to end it. Mike, I just did a slow push yeah, in my head, by the way. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody uh, uh, who listens to this will at the end. The, the years of knowledge that you've imparted in a little more than an hour, we are grateful for, and, and I'm sure they are as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and Joe, thank you so much, guys, for uh, for inviting me to, the, uh, to your show. And I, I really, really appreciate it. Um, your time and interest in, in, in our industry. I, I love it. So thanks, guys. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Joe Masiri here once again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Broadcasting in Black and White. want to remind you to head over to bibmedia.tv. That's B-I-B for Born in Brooklyn, media.tv. There you will find all of the notes from today's show, You can so you can check out some of the things that Mike was talking about here in this episode of the podcast. We also want to remind you that if you're interested in breaking into the broadcast industry, we can help you out with that demo. Just shoot us an email. That's founders at bibmedia.tv, founders at bibmedia.tv. And we do offer several packages to help those trying to break into the broadcasting industry. And finally, hit us up on social media. You can just search at Bib Media pretty much across all the platforms, and we should pop up. So if you've got an idea, a question, somebody else that we should speak to for this podcast, please reach out. Let us know. Thanks for your time, as always, and have a great day. Until next time, this is Broadcasting in Black and White, and I am Joe Masiri. Have a great one, people.